The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. Welcome to this special edition of Startup Nation Radio. We've got Brian Kelly on the show with us today. You're the president of the Small Business Association of Michigan, soon to be the CEO as well, president and CEO. Brian Kelly, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Yeah, thank you very much. Really an honor to work for small businesses and have, have been now with the organization for a couple of years since I left office and love the mission, love the people, love the team, love the history yeah. of it. It's work that I'm excited to get up every single day and go after. That's incredible. You've had an amazing career. We're excited because our ratings are going up as a result of this show on Startup Nation Radio, and we're thrilled to have you on. You were the former lieutenant governor of the state of Michigan. Let's touch on that for a minute, just to put it all in context, make sure people know a little bit about your history. Tell us about your background leading up to that, then leading up to what's next. We'll find out maybe on Startup Nation Radio. Tell us about your past. Well, this is really kind of a full circle type of position or work for me. I started out my career as a commercial banker, so I made small business loans, SBA loans, to growing and starting small businesses, and that was a wonderful career. I got interested in politics and local uh, government. I ended up running for the state house uh, back during the Great Recession, dur- served in the House of Representatives during those years, just as the economy was tanking in some pretty terrible ways. Mm-hmm. And then I met the man who would later on become governor, Rick Snyder, and he invited me to join the ticket with him for a reinvention of the state and spent eight years in the executive office of yeah. Governor Snyder and had a, um, a just a, a really exciting, impactful time of just trying to make the world work better for people. And that was, it was everything from people with disabilities to people with criminal records and backgrounds that are trying to remake their lives and then small businesses. I mean, those were my priorities. And so now to be in a job where every day, that's what I do. I work for small businesses. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really like a dream come true. We want to talk about that work and we want you to tell us about the Small Business Association of Michigan. But I have to tell you, it's, it's really exciting. I, I'm a, you know, a lot of people would say this about their state, but I love the state of Michigan. I mean, I really love the state of Michigan. And I was around, I actually worked on Governor Milliken's campaign when I was younger. My uncle was very involved in state politics and he ran the Milliken campaign, I believe. He went on to become a regent at University of Michigan and then on to the federal tax court, federal tax court. So anyway, he's had a life in politics. I I love the fact that you were lieutenant governor of the state of Michigan. That just gives me chills, really. I think that's such a cool thing to be in a leadership role of this great state. Yeah, it, Michigan is such an awesome place. You know, the history is so proud and internationally impactful. Things that started here that have changed the way of oh. life of every human being on the planet. Yes. That's our heritage. That's who we are. That's yeah. where we came from. And what I love about the small business heritage of it is that to the rest of the world, they're multinational corporations, but to us, they're families, right? The Kellogg's sure. or the many, Gerber's. Many still here. Or the, yeah. yeah the, with uh, or roots or in the, the state. Yeah. And the, yeah, I mean, it's a, there's so many different aspects of life that has been touched by what started here. And so even the giants of industry in Michigan started out as entrepreneurs. And that's what's exciting about it. You never know. Somebody among the the ranks of our 28,000 members could be the next one to make it huge. I love that. And, you know, it's definitely in our DNA here in Michigan. We've proven that we are great business thinkers. We're bold, right, by nature. We've proven that. And as you say, we've impacted the world with some of the business ideas and the businesses resulting from those ideas that have been based right here in Michigan and grown nationally and internationally. The Small Business Association of Michigan, you know, there's various organizations, a lot of them. I'm a small business owner. Where do you fit in the map of all the resources out there available to me? Our association has been around for a long time, 51 years. And it is the largest state-based association for small business in the entire country and by quite a lot. That's amazing. 
it's a wonderful organization. It uh, does a lot of things. So people know us for the advocacy work because that's the part makes the news. And if I'm doing interviews in the newspaper and on uh, TV or something or on the radio, usually it has to do with the advocacy work that we do. So that's part of it. It's really important. Okay. But we also do best practice and compliance education. We do energy efficiency services, insurance and COBRA administration. There's a whole list of business services that we do for our members. And so it's a, it's a great value. We take an approach like we want to serve as many small businesses as we can. And our mission is their success. You mentioned members. So I join this organization. I pay a membership fee, annual membership fee, ranging from what to what, or what is it? Yeah, the, the membership levels can be all the way from a, a startup company, can have a free membership all the way through to the top level membership is a little under $400. Okay, a year. Per, per and, year. and for that, I get access to all these educational resources and services and support, right, that, yes, uh, that and, are critical. And, and one of the parts that is kind of the secret sauce of the organization is that we're for business owners. And so... To us, it's not about the quantity of the, of the crowd, although we do put together big crowds of people. It's about the quality of it, and it's where business owners can spend time with other business owners. That's the thing about business owners is that they tend not to have any peers in their lives. You know, that nobody else really understands what they're going through. They're sweating That's out making... That's so true. Yeah, you can't... You know, if you're sweating out making payroll this week, it's not like you can talk to your employees about exactly. it, right? So, right. So the idea of having a, uh, a cohort, so whether we do regional owner-to-owner -owner networks or statewide leadership council, these are really smart, innovative people, and they learn from each other, and they build off each other. They do business with each other. Yeah. But that's an outcome of a relationship as opposed to, you know, sometimes these like chamber mixers where you have a bunch of salespeople in the room. And uh, so business owners don't like to go to those. Uh, right, you know, exactly. It's all, it's all prana, no cow. Right. That's so true. Now, look, you've put together a really interesting show for us today. You've handpicked a couple of guests we're going to be bringing on. Before we do all that, I have to ask the question I have to ask. So here you were in politics at a really high level of politics, you know, thrilling level. Right. And there's some opportunity that still exists in the future to maybe make an impact. Do you see yourself maybe making a run for governor or, or you know, how, and how does SBAM and your role in it factor into your future? You know, one of the things I love about SBAM is it is an intentionally bipartisan organization. So my, uh, the way that I, I've always done business, respect other people, bend over backward to understand other points of view. You know, honestly, when I look around the political system today, I don't see a place for that. You know, it just seems like it's the exact opposite. It's the of that. exact opposite. And so I don't know uh, how you guys do it. So for me, I love the work that that I do from this chair. So when when I decided to uh, to accept the promotion to CEO, that's a long term commitment. It means that I'm not going to run for office. I'm going to make a career out of the Small Business Association of Michigan. There you have it. And you know what? I'm. Love to have you as governor of our state one day, but having you in this post is hugely important for the state's welfare, well-being, future, and the citizens of the great state of Michigan. So that's that's exciting to hear. Good. We're going to get to the show. That, the, we're going to bring on our guests. You've picked them. We'll get to them right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. All right. Welcome back to a really special edition of Startup Nation Radio. Brian Kelly, former lieutenant governor of the state of Michigan on Startup Nation Radio. It's a thrill. Thrill to have you on. Great to be with you. It's great to have you here now uh, filling the shoes of a really important role at the leadership of SBAM, the Small Business Association of Michigan. And Brian, you put together a show for us today. It's uh, going to be largely driven by you. You've picked a couple of guests. I'm going to hand it over to you. 
it's all, all right, yours. Very good. Well, you know, that's not a good way for job security for yourself. <laughs> you know, if I decided I want to be a startup nation radio uh, host. I'm feeling reasonably confident that I'm okay, at least for a while. But right. uh, right. listen, guys that accomplished what you've accomplished, though, you got to watch out for those guys. That's for sure. I well, have no I doubt. got a face for radio, so uh, I appreciate the opportunity. All right. So um, we do have a couple of guests. I'm going to start with Patty Eisenbrunn, who is a uh, an entrepreneur in Macomb and Oakland counties and really has, I, I think, set a, a real standard in her industry. But I think this conversation is real important right now, very timely, but also interesting. And as we look for uh, recovery overall of our economy, we're going to explore some really important aspects of that. And that really centers around workforce and availability of workforce. So Patty, why don't we start out with what's your business? Just tell us a little bit about it, a little bit of the history. Sure. So I own Browner and Brewhouse. We're a smokehouse and we're also a full service restaurant and a brewery. And we opened our Washington Township location in 2015. And then excitedly, we had our second restaurant planned and had the unfortunate experience of opening on March 1st of 2020. Uh, timing. Yes. Right. Yeah. It, Can you imagine? So, you, you know, opening up a new, I mean, in, in the first one was so successful, it right? Was. So you must have gone into that planning just with all the confidence in the world. Correct. And, you know, we had a business model that worked. We've been named Best Craft Beer Bar in the state now wow. for five years in a row. That's great. Uh, number four in the nation by USA Today. Yeah. So we pride ourselves on events where we bring in special things like we always have an ice festival. We have one of the largest Oktoberfests in the state. We do a luau. So we do all these great events plus weekly events. And that's what was driving our success as well as our staff and our food. So we had this great business model. And then once we hit March 1st, you know, we were all excited. And then everything just went out the window. And we had to change what our business model was because it certainly wasn't going to work. And we had to change immediately. And it's been a challenge ever since because we had 120 employees and went down to 30. And you really can't do a lot with 30 people in, a, in two full-service restaurants. So you, you went through this roller coaster of closed down, closed down for a long time, opened up but limited capacity, then closed down again, then opened up with little limited capacity. Maybe talk about the idea of maintaining and keeping staff at a time when you really can't predict when you can be open in the first place. That has been the challenge because we hire people in March. It went down to carry out only, so we had to let a lot of people go, something I never had anticipated. I thought we would always be growing. So we had to furlough people, and we didn't know. You know, We thought it was just going to be that little pause. And then everybody would come back and everything would be normal. But instead, what happened was then it was restricted to certain capacity. So at 50%, I really only needed 50% of the staff. So what happened was those staff people had to find work somewhere else. And so the pool of my employees to come back dwindled, which I totally understand. So it's been very hard to retain people. And there's a lot of loyal people that work for me, but, you know, we had to hire double the staff and it's just been extremely difficult. So as you have taken this on rebuilding the customer base and the employee base and, and reopening, your business I thought would be pretty interesting is maybe you could get an idea of what it's like to work for your company and your industry. Because I think it's very different than what people associate with food service. Right. So a lot of the time I hear people say, well, people in the restaurant industry should make more than minimum wage. It's not the case in my restaurant. 
our employees, if you work 30 hours a week, we pay your health insurance. We pay your dental. After six months, you get a week of paid vacation. You get 401k after a year. Starting salaries are quite a lot higher than the minimum wage for sure, even for maybe an entry-level position where someone wants to come in and learn about the restaurant industry. Unfortunately, this past year, we were taking 11 employees to Germany as a thank you for working for us for five years for Oktoberfest. Unfortunately, we had to cancel that. You know, we have a safe environment. We're all-inclusive. So even for a business like ours, a stable business, it's been very difficult. So let's talk about what it's been like in terms of reopening and maybe start with the customers and how have customers embraced coming back? Customers have been great. You know, through this whole pandemic, even when we were new in Royal Oak, the people came and supported us. Washington Township, we had our regulars and they were just fantastic. So, you know, the customers have been great, but what the customers are not fully understanding is that they are ready to be back to normal. We're ready to be back to normal, but we can't be back to normal because we only have 50% of the staff. And so because of that, our hours are reduced. We've reduced our menu. I don't want my employees being worked to death. So we close for lunches for three of the days. We've closed on Mondays so that they can have a better quality of life. That's one thing I think the customers are trying to comprehend, that it is a serious issue for employment. One of those things that we are hearing and is shot up to the top of the list across a lot of different industries. Yours gets a lot of attention because people, a lot of people personally associate with food service and restaurant and brew houses and you know those types of hospitality businesses. But really across the board, we are hearing at the Small Business Association of Michigan about workforce shortages that have exceeded anything that I've heard during any of my time in public policy or in private sector. So I think as we move forward, this is going to be a top, top issue for the recovery, the economic recovery of our state is getting ahead of the workforce shortages. Why do we have a workforce shortage? Well, there's a couple of things. First, it's a complex, multifaceted issue. There is one public policy issue, which is really important, and that is that the federal addition to the unemployment system has made it more possible for people simply to choose not to work. That was a leading longer. question, and I, I just can't stand hearing that. Yeah, uh, you know, it's I mean, a, and, and that's the thing is that the unemployment, it works out to about sixteen fifty-five an hour. That's the equivalent hourly rate for a 40-hour week of what you can get with unemployment today. And so if you have uh, an, an employer that comes to the table and says, well, we're paying $20 an hour or $22 an hour. Well, to the person who's making the decision, do I go back to work or not? $20 an hour is incrementally only $3.45 more an hour. So who wants to work 40 hours a week if it's only three forty-five more an hour? And so competing with the unemployment system in terms of matching the rate, well, a lot of employers are doing that. In fact, I'd say most employers are doing that. But what you can't compete with is 20 weeks off. Yeah. It's unbelievable. There's an incentive not to work. And that's just a, a, I mean, for a guy that believes in the power of small business and the, certainly knowing the power of small businesses, being able to offer people work and putting people to work, it's a huge part of the American economy. Was it 75% of all jobs come from small business? 99% of all employers are small businesses. And here they're, they can't find people to work for them. And uh, it's just uh, something's upside down. That's for sure. Listen, I want to go back, though, uh, Patty, to you. By the way, you're listening to The Brian Kelly Show. You were amazing, by the way. You did a great job. I am a little concerned right, about uh, about my job now. I took that seriously. You did a great job. I got a quick closing note or two I just want to throw in. Number one, your type of business 
is what American business is all about. Here you are on Main Street USA, serving local communities, creating lifestyle experiences that are central to our quality of life here in the US, certainly locally. So number one, businesses like yours are so extremely important. And the work that you do to support them, Brian, and the Small Business Association of Michigan, critical. The other thing is, isn't it interesting how when we talk about business today, it's absolutely a different kind of discussion. You know, everything's changed. You talked about changing, you know, whether the words pivot or transformation or change or whatever it may be. Wow, everything's different. Everything. I mean, and just when you think you got it figured out, there's new business models and, and new, new challenges and uh, new ways of doing things that, you know, maybe were coming slowly, incrementally before, if now fast forwarded as a result of the pandemic. It's a really interesting time. And I would imagine that SBAM services now are more relevant and needed than ever before. Our relationship with members is closer than it's ever been. I, and I feel real confident saying that that would extend all the way back through the 51 year history of SBAM that during and throughout the pandemic as the orders were coming and things were changing so quickly, the ability to curate the information, translate it, to make compliance as easy as possible. Yeah. That put us in the trenches with our members in a way that created really strong, long-lasting relationships. Yeah, indeed. We're going to run to a quick break. We're going to come back. We've got another guest we're going to bring on. And then we'll maybe do a little roundtable thing. We'll all just talk about business today, challenges, opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, here on Startup Nation Radio. Stick with us. We'll be back right after this break. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Great show today. Brian Kelly, president, soon-to-be CEO of Small Business Association of Michigan. Great to have you on. And we've just heard from uh, Patty about her experience in the, you know, in this incredible backdrop that we're all trying to operate in today on the heels of the pandemic, hopefully on the heels of the pandemic. We've got another great guest. Tell us who we've got. Derek Dickow, who is on the board of directors of the Small Business Association of Michigan, but also a connector extraordinaire. He uh, is. I've got a long history with Derek. You know, back when I was in politics, I remember we were up on Mackinac Island walking down the hill from the Grand Hotel during the Detroit Regional Policy Conference. And like he knew everybody's introducing me or something. I thought, why isn't he running for governor? <laughs> well, you know, you never know. <laughs> Right. Exactly. It's a, he might be a little green yet, but, you know, very in the very near future, you never know. The announcement today that Derek is going to make. Yeah, that would be news, right? Yeah. That'd be great. Sorry to disappoint the audience so <laughs> soon and so early in the discussion. But uh, thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be with two gentlemen I respect and admire a great deal. And Patty, my heart goes out to you and your team and especially your employees, because I know it's a, this is the hardest yeah. part for them. And I'm just so happy to be with you guys today. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Well, I, you know, I, I thought this would be in this discussion, you know, we talked with Patty and in, in restaurant hospitality and with your specialty in a lot of different ways, you bring people together. And during this, the course of this pandemic, bringing people together was literally forbidden by law. And so, you know, yours, I don't know exactly how to categorize your, your industry, but I know like uh, just the idea of uh, gatherings, planning industry, uh, different focus, educational opportunities, networking opportunities, the things that, you know, the core of what you do was kind of taken away. Why don't you maybe just kind of take us through that process of how you responded to this pandemic throughout the course of uh, the, the past year? Yeah, I appreciate that. And it is sometimes challenging to tell people what I do sometimes because you can't really quantify it, but it's literally connecting people to opportunity in politics and philanthropy and in business. And uh, we've produced events, live events over the years where we'd bring in thought leaders and CEOs 
uh, politicos, uh, national sponsors, service providers, try to have two, three, four hundred people in a room and for some educational opportunities, but more importantly, for networking opportunities. You know, the number one reason why people come to an event is to meet others and to sell their business or sell their products or services. So we try to put a professional event together where people can facilitate that type of growth in their business. When the pandemic hit, I, you know, I, we were kind of stuck. I, I didn't want to just sit on my hands and, you know, just cry into the wall. So we, we went to the startup studios in Birmingham here, and we were able to produce eight one-hour events over the course of eight weeks, trying to provide guidance and information to the market and lean on as many experts and subject matter experts that we could in different verticals. So we, we produced a show in retail one on hospitality, one in the hotel industry, one in multifamily, just trying to gather information and provide some value. And I, I found that that opportunity um, allowed me to pivot into something I didn't even know existed, which was you know producing events live and virtually. And it just kind of opened up a new world for us. And so we, we pivoted. I think we pivoted successfully. And uh, it, w- it was fantastic. I mean, we had about 100,000 viewers throughout those eight weeks watch the program. We got some fantastic feedback. And more importantly, a lot of people thanked us for putting together some programming to help provide guidance and some leadership during an unprecedented time in our world. So it's fun. I love connecting people. I really miss, you know, pressing the flesh at these events. And, yeah. you know, the greatest thing that I, I, I appreciate most when I go to events is connecting people on the spot, trying to identify what are they there for? Who are they trying to meet? What problems do they have in their yeah. business? And then turning around and saying, oh, this is the person that you got to meet and helping yeah. to facilitate that. So we'll get back to that very soon. And uh, I, I look forward to that part of business. Yeah, excellent. So, you know, as you went through that process, I remember actually I was participating in some of the programming, I yes. think, and throughout that eight weeks and a great opportunity to connect with people at a time when there was a kind of a gap in information, understanding, lack of confidence and what we were supposed to be doing. And then as we moved through the pandemic and, you know, different states took different approaches toward, you know, their speed of getting back to, I'll say kind of back to normal, if you could see me, I'm putting that in quotes, because I know there are some things that won't change back. Maybe give us a, a peek into your business in terms of moving forward, the things that you did that you think you're probably going to hold on to and the things that you, you just can't wait to, as soon as you can to get right back to. Well, I'll reserve some comment on, on the way that uh, our, our government responded here in the state of Michigan for many reasons, just to focus on the positivity and forward thinking that I tried to hold that perspective. But I think that uh, a virtual component to learning, to education, into networking. Some people like it, some people appreciate it, and some people probably think it's more efficient. They don't need to get into a car to go see people. And I think if you have the right platform and the right programming, you can still have that one-to-one networking on a screen, which is not ideal. But I think as we move forward here, a hybrid model is going to be embraced by a lot of people. In fact, I just attended an SBAM event in Lansing a couple weeks ago that was 100% outdoors Everyone was really comfortable and people just missed appreciating, you know, that time to spend with others. So I think people will long for that. They're looking forward to getting back to the face-to-face networking. And I think that this is a, an important time to talk about how to do that these days. You know, what are we trying to do, you know, coming out of the pandemic? Are we trying to sell things to people the second we meet them? Or should we focus on leading with some empathy, trying to understand, all right, Patty, your business, uh, you're in the restaurant business, you know, What are you trying to accomplish moving forward? How can I help you with relationships I have in my network? So I'm I'm constantly trying to 
find solutions for people within my network. And I think that that's the best and most important value add we can bring to others is our network. A lot of people think time is the most important commodity. I, I really do think it's our network, what we've cultivated, what we bring, our reputation, our credibility, and then taking time to lead with some empathy when you meet with people and then connecting them with two people that can benefit from knowing each other. I think people appreciate that the most. Really, I, I like the word, the use of the word empathy because people are re-engaging at a lot of different levels, at a lot of different backgrounds and experiences throughout COVID. Some, their lives have changed in measurable ways, you know, literally lost people in right. their lives. Right. Others have largely been un unaffected. Un unaffected. Right. And so when you, when you kind of, you go into a room, that's, you know, that you had mentioned the Small that's Business Association of Michigan right. that we put together our first in-person event in a year. And it was in Lansing, right uh, near our, our headquarters. It was an outdoor event. Thankfully, it was a really nice evening it was and a beautiful, day. Uh, beautiful yeah. day. And the place was packed. When we were planning that, it was we were still had high, uh, no, you know, numbers. Had that, you know, that wave in the spring uh, of infections. We were pretty nervous. It was the timing of this right. Would, and uh, but we went ahead and did it anyway. And people were ready. And the hugs and the and the just the you know the reconnection it was inspirational to see. So while I you know there is a component for us our programming that's going to remain virtual so that we can reach some people that aren't aren't going to be able to you know it's a big state uh, aren't going to be able to make it everywhere. This idea of physically bringing people together is something that I, I'm convinced that uh, that there are large segments of our population that they are not just ready for it, they're longing uh, for people it. People are social beings by nature. Boy, do we know that now. I mean, if we ever yes. questioned it or doubted that, we certainly know that. And uh, I think, you know, we, we did learn about some business efficiencies that make good sense. It's not always necessary to jump on an airplane to go to California for a one-hour meeting and take three days out of your life and the whole thing to get, you know, that, okay, we maybe learned some things. And, you know... A couple of years ago, if you had said, I'm not going to actually fly to meet you in California, I'm going to do it by a Zoom meeting, they would have thrown you out and said, you know what, it's not worth you coming to see, it. you know, now it's, it's the, nor the new norm, right? And right. the new normal. And so I think, you know, that's good. Some good business efficiencies, but boy, being able to press the flesh, Derek. No, nothing I mean, will nothing will compare to no. it. Nothing will replace it. Uh, human beings are social yeah, by nature. Yeah. We feed off each other's energy. And I think that if it, coming out of the pandemic and if you're attending an event for the first time and it's on your calendar, I would say leave the business cards at home. Forget about trying to sell anything you have in your pocket or in your inventory. Just focus on connecting with yeah, people. Reconnect. Connect, reconnect. reconnect ask whatever, people yeah. about their health. Yeah. You know, how's your family doing? How's yeah. your health doing? How's your business doing? And then try to add value. I want to ask you, a lot of people out there might be listening. Wow, what a cool business to be in. I didn't know you could be in business to connect people. How do you make money from doing that, generally? <laughs> you know, for a long time, I wondered the same thing. <laughs> well, that's another story. But we've got people fired up now saying, man, I no, want to be you, Derek. You know what? It's a great, it's a fair question. And it took me a while to get into the position I'm in. And, and I found that the number one way to, to make money as a consultant is to find ways to add immeasurable value to people as they come in your life. You know, I spend about an hour a day connecting people. And what I mean is, is somebody might come to me and say, hey, I need a landscaper for my house. And maybe in the past, I might have just shot him. Hey, here's Tony's number. Good luck. And But now I take the time, maybe two, three minutes. I, I make a nice introduction email. I say something positive about the first person, positive about the second person. Yeah. And then I say, I'm honored to connect you yeah. both. And I, I take time to intentionally do that the right way. I've been on the receiving end as a beneficiary of that. And you're the best. You really are. I appreciate now, but that. But wait, let me just make sure. So you're, you're, you call yourself a consultant? 
Uh, so you charge consultant. consulting fees. Yes, there might uh, be. It's yes. very entrepreneurial. Yeah, you know, yes. it's situation by situation. I learned it by watching you, Jeff. Yeah, okay, that's good. I love hearing that. <laughs> I love hearing that. That's what Startup Nation is all about. Yeah. Uh, so it's good. a keynote. It's a workshop, and I do one-on-one -on -one executive coaching. And you raise sponsorships against the events you do. That's and correct. All kinds of sources of income. Entrepreneurial. Right, cool. Now. We're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to keep all of us in the room. We'll do a little round table. Maybe we'll raise some questions that we can any, any, which, any, which of us, which one of us can jump in and comment on. Okay. Does that sound good, guys? Good. Going to a break on Startup Nation Radio. Back with more in a minute. All right. Welcome back to Startup Nation, to the Brian Kelly Show here on Startup Nation. Brian, it's great to have you on. Yeah, it's got uh, quite a ring to it. You know, it does, actually. Let's make it a regular thing. You know, there was a time when I used to play in the band, in a band, but they were called the Pretenders, and they were a band without me. But then when I would play with them, they were called Brian Callie and the Pretenders. There you go. It was one of the coolest kind of little nuggets about wow. my history. So, so what did you play? Now. What? I play keyboard and sing vocals. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, now, and we kind of specialized in Michigan-made music. There's a lot of Michigan-made music out there. And that was kind of the little hook. So we'd do Grand Funk Railroad, do a little Kid Rock and cool. the Romantics, but even like Temptations. But we never got into Madonna or Eminem. You know, I didn't have you pegged for a rock and roller somehow. I just, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, my dream was to, you know, 80s hair bands. I was all about them. Really? That was, that was what I wanted to do. But I had to settle for Lieutenant Governor. See, isn't that interesting? The things where you had to settle for Lieutenant Governor, exactly. But it's interesting what you learn about people, especially here on Startup Nation Radio. There we go. You know, this, is, this has been a, a, a great conversation, a really interesting conversation. I thought where we would close out this final segment is talking a little bit about public policy. Working for the Small Business Association of Michigan, I work with a lot of policy members. We are intentionally bipartisan. I work across the, the political aisle. And I get the question a lot because everybody in uh, of what, what does small business need? Because everybody from left to right says they're pro-small business. Everybody wants to be seen that way, to be thought of that way, to, to be known that way. But then, uh, but when it, at our association, we're the ones who decide, are you really? And, uh, you know, do the words meet the action? Right. So I want to throw this question back to the entrepreneurs here in the room. When I'm bringing that message on your behalf in the public policy system, what is it that small businesses need today for recovery? What should I say? Let's start with Patty. Well, first of all, I need to get the picture of D. Snyder and um, <laughs> Brian out of my head. So <laughs> um, I'd pay to see that, I think. But um, anyways, you know, what do we need? That's a great question. I think that skills training would be a great thing if we could get some sort of program for skills training. Hiring in the kitchen is one of the hardest things for us with people for experience. So if we had some sort of program that would help for skills training, that would be beneficial. I've thought about this a lot. As an entrepreneur, the state didn't make it easy to work or be successful this past year. That Definitely it was more difficult. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, we're built to kind of take care of ourselves because I have such a passion and I love what I do that I know that I'm going to succeed, but it was a difficult year. Everything was against us. We were one of the last industries to open. And so I think if we could have some sort of program with skills training, some sort of tax credit for small businesses, that would be something that would be a good start, I think. Maybe if I could dig into that a, a little bit. You know, you talked about you know, you're used to doing things on your own. It's not a natural place. I mean, the small business owners are the givers. 
right? So, you know, the right. ones that are building the community and to have kind of that ability to make decisions for how you operate taken away from you. Correct. So one of the, the top line messages is stay out of the way to the government. Stay out of the way. Let me operate. Let me run my business the way that I see fit. Pretty much. I, I would agree. I mean, I know that there was a desperate need to get the pandemic under control. And the only problem was that the goal line kept changing. There was no clear goal line for us, especially in our restaurant industry, in the hospitality industry, in the entertainment industry. And and it also seemed like the rules were a little bit vague. I mean, there were way more people in some of these stores than would have ever been in my restaurant. So that's, I probably think, another topic. But yeah, I would say that um, the less, the better. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, is one of those areas. Less is more. Correct. And then, then an entrepreneur, we do know what's best for our business. And nobody woke up as an entrepreneur and said, this is going to be easy. We know it's a fight. We know that, but it's also a passion. It's a dream. And, and so I believe that entrepreneurs will succeed. But when there are all these things in the way, such as regulations, even on my, you know, my hours were regulated. My capacity was regulated. What I could serve or do was regulated. So that really got in the way to being successful. So let me throw the same question over to Derek. So when the uh, the government people say, hey, what is small, I want to be pro-small business, what does small business need? We need to work on every which way we can to keep the economy robust and growing. And anytime we can remove government from any type of policy that inhibits someone like Patty or someone like me trying to grow our business, anytime a government is picking winners or losers, Ultimately, we all lose. I mean, that's just not the way that the American idea of free market, free enterprise system works. And that has been, Patty, the inconsistent messaging coming from our government, whether it's local, state, federal. It's just been terrible and vexing to see. I didn't understand it. I mean, maybe a month early on to bend the curve and to take care of our first responders and and, and the vulnerable after a while, I, I mean, it became pretty obvious that there was a lot of mixed messaging and people just pointing fingers and not knowing. And that's caused a lot of good people like Patty and others to just throw their hands up. I need help. You know, I know entrepreneurs, we're all scrappy people. We tend to solve our own problems and not lean on others for support. But when the government's getting way in, in your way and, and makes it unable for you to make decisions to service your family, to serve your customers, to serve your own employees, this is where I think I have the most problem with our government today. Well, and that's one of the messages I think that was hard to get through sometimes is, you know, can you trust small business owners to do the right thing when it comes to keeping their employees and their customers safe? Well, small businesses are the ones who literally live and work in their communities. They treat customers and, and employees like family. A lot of times they're literally their family. I mean, it's a, it's the type of uh, scenario where it's just natural to take care of the business and of customers and of, of employees. And yet it was for so long, it did seem like there it was just the response compared to a lot of other places, very excessive, or at least in the length of the things that were done. Um, and so as we now engage to get back, I mean, there's some important lessons to deliver. You know, I think, Patty, at the time that I've spent in your business in Washington Township, that, you know, you have great food. The product itself is great, but really it was experience that you were selling. And it didn't necessarily translate over to um, takeout, right? So, um, you know, that had getting getting it through the um, to, to people that, that what is it that you really do and let entrepreneurs work and just great things happen. I agree. A restaurant, you can eat at any restaurant, but it's the experience. And that's what set us apart. And uh, we've got to get back to that. 
whole experience of getting people together without restrictions. Well, I, I'm hopeful that uh, July 1st can't come soon enough when the, the rest of those restrictions are lifted. We've got a few other things, workplace safety rules that we've got to work through with the state departments, but hopefully we are on the tail end of this thing and uh, we can enter into the second half of this year with COVID-19 in the rearview mirror. Yeah. I said coming into the show, I wanted to make news on this show. I think we did it. Here's a couple of things. Patty's highlighted for us the real... Uh, Challenges of entrepreneurs on Main Street today, getting your employees you know, to have an opportunity to come to work, have an incentive to come to work, and all those issues that are critical. We heard that Derek's not running for governor this time around, <laughs> but he did not say never, never say never. I'm telling you, it's in your future. And Brian Kelly, we, you're not going to be running this time. You're going to lead SBAM, which is so critically important. I'm thrilled to hear that. We need that kind of leadership. This is uh, as important a job as there can be in the state of Michigan. And even better news, two other things. One, you're a rock and roller at heart. Who knew that? We made news on this show. And two, two, uh, we're going to make this a regular thing. I heard those things. We Looking made news on Startup it. Nation Radio today. Hey, thanks, guys. Great show, Thank Brian. You. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. It was my yeah. pleasure. Really good. All right, we'll be back again next week with another edition of Startup Nation Radio. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.